0: Now on to the podcast. This is part one of two-part episode with Nate Trotsky. So we had a little bit of technical difficulty on the back end of the first part. So it was long enough in the two parts to do a two-part series on this. So this is part one this week, and then next week we'll have part two. So have a great week, everybody. Appreciate you. Joining us on the ABC Podcast this week is one of the best infield minds we have in the game, Nate Trotsky. There isn't a place in the world that Trotsky hasn't touched coaching infielders. Trotsky's been pushing the envelope and developing infielders for over 30 years. Trotsky's contributed over 10,000 players playing in college and over 500 in professional baseball, including 20-plus first-round MLB selections. This is a wide-open conversation on developing infielders. Let's welcome Nate Trotsky to the podcast. All right, here with Nate Trotsky. Uh, Trotsky Baseball scouted over 20 years and pretty much coached infielders all over the world. So, Nate, ju- thanks for jumping on with me.
1: Uh, absolute pleasure, Ryan. Thank you. Last time I saw you I was at the ABCA. And you, you good yeah, good times and good to be back. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you crushed your talk. And um, I mean, is there anywhere you you haven't coached infielders that you would like to?
1: I just got to Puerto Rico, so I was in I was in Puerto Rico about six months ago with the German national team and. They had a national team event, so it's the 18U, and so Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, um, Mexico. There was you know a handful of national teams across the country, and in Germany, you know a lot of people don't know there's baseball in Europe, and you know there's major leaguers. Max Kepler, you know, he's the right fielder for the Minnesota Twins, and he signed a multi-million dollar deal recently. And um, I coached Max his first first year in the Dominican Republic when he was 14, so I started going to the Dominican with the German national team and they train that's where they train the national teams because of the weather and the competition and right and and so max his when he was 14 he was there and that was my first year with the national he's always get to Puerto Rico I still want to get to Venezuela and uh Cuba and there's there's a couple um, I just talked to a guy recently where the Cuban national team is probably going to have me come out so Cuban national team and he said you know the dad comes up to me and he's taking pictures and he's like my son's been watching your video since he's been six you're his infield coach and i'm like no way and he's he's the top infield you know infielder in puerto rico right now and he's going to go in the draft this year top five pick and and then we play team to make it public and their short stops in eighth grade and he's committed to lsu and the dad comes up to me the same thing he goes man no way he's all you're my infield coach i'm like really he said you know we've been watching your video since my son's been a kid and and so I was so, it was so exciting because I'm going the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans, you know, these are the best infielders in the world. You know, Americans are great too, but you know, these these small islands are de- developing and the top guys are saying they're watching the videos and tweets and posts. And you know, it's, it's so anyway, so Puerto Rico, I've been a camp the last three months. I've done two camps there with that, with that father and his son and, Latin countries. But what's really interesting is, is an infielder is an infielder, right? Human beings are human beings. And it's just really awesome. I'm just sociologist and scientist. That's kind of how I see myself as an infield coach and baseball coach. It's like sociology group behavior, psychology is individual, right? The mind, how it works. And then, and then as studying, it's not about my agenda. It has nothing to do with what I want to do. I just want to prove truth and help player. And I'm 14, sign up for $5 million. And you're watching their approach from the age of like 8 to 14. And I was just at the La of Academy about Three weeks ago, and that's the top academy in the Dominican, along with the J.D. Azuna Academy. And you know, they got infielders, literally 14 years old. They're, they're signing between 1 million and 5 million. And it's not like one guy. It's like just across the board, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old. So it's like, what are they doing and what can we learn from them? And also, what can they learn from us? Because, you know, it's, it's about, I mean, that's why the, the video and YouTube and, and, and travel and Twitter and Instagram is, is, is changed you know, the culture, because now we have access to everybody and we can see it with the Latins. and you don't have to go move to the Dominican Republic to see how Javi Baez feels the ground ball, right? You just jump on YouTube and you go, whoa, this is his style. And so, yeah, there's some places I still want to go, but I've been to about 20 countries, Japan, China. Really, when I'm there, I'm there to learn, even though I'm there to teach. And it's just eyes are open, ears are open. It's just, let's go. Let's get better. When was your first trip out of the U.S.? First trip was, um, uh, when I finished playing, um, I knew i wanted to become a coach i'm like i want to be a college coach and we know how hard it is, is one head coach and i'll say more of the jc route because jc were playing 70 games in the fall we were our, our, the jc i was at we won the to top jc in the country we were practicing seven days a week i mean i'm not saying that's the model but that's what we were doing there was no limits and, and you know we learned so much about the insights from the mental game to base running to to you name it you know situational baseball you know baseball iq you know it was so deep and then i'm, I'm going i want to be that guy because i want to teach this game so when, when i finished I um, I go, how am I going to get this head job somewhere? So my buddy, a lot of my buddies in college were going to Europe to play professionally. And they go, you can get a head job over here in Germany, you know, as a 22-year-old. And and I was like, shoot, let's go. So I'm over there coaching men, you know, and they're like pro-am leagues. You know, some guys are paid, some guys are not, some guys are national team players. And, and uh, it was incredible. My first year as a head coach, we won the, the national championship. And then from there, I went with the national team. And then from there, you're know, going to Italy and all these countries with the national team. And you start meeting people and you go to South Africa and you coach there. And, you, you know, it's just this kind of this this river that just continues. And so I, you know, I stayed single and I, you know, I had no kids till I was really forty nine. And so basically what I was doing is just traveling the world and not only the world, because we have a lot to offer here, too. Right. So I'm hanging out with the best of the best. You know, 15 years ago, I called Jerry Weinstein, maybe 20. And I go, Jerry. We played you in the Final Four in junior college. I don't know if you remember me, but I want to learn from you. So he was at Cal Poly at the time, and you know I'm two hours from him. So for five years, I'm down there every summer, just doing his camps and listening. You know, and just you know, surrounding myself with the best. You know, hanging out with Tom House for five years with the Brewers, and we, we would do all of our area code stuff at USC. And it's like just listening. And you go, how does this apply to infield play? Because it, you know, to me, you know, it's you know, it, it's it's a full circle. And you go, and, and then I'm working at Stanford. I just got back two days ago. I've been there for the last ten days, and you know, I've been at Stanford for 20 years, and then I'm hanging out with their speed guys and their pitching guys, and it's just like, how can we apply speed training to infield development? How can we apply, apply throwing? The of throwing, Tom House's principles of keeping your head in movement and posture, and you, know, and you, you just realize that it's, it crosses over everywhere, but we can learn from these areas. And you know, I was with Tom Kunis doing his pitching camps at Stanford. He was a Stanford pitching coach for about 12 years with the Dodgers now, and you know, I'd go work the pitching camps for 12 years. Then I'd do the afternoon with the common infield camps, and I'd go do the hitting camps you know, in the comma too. And, you know, that's just one small example of like what I did for 35 years, but that was like, that's like one week of a time. And then the next week, it's a whole nother journey. and Next week's another journey. And so surrounding myself with, with open ears, open eyes, and, and, and realizing that not everybody's a perfect coach, but we're all striving to be our best and we can all learn from each other at all levels. So a lot of fun.
0: I mean, what can U.S. coaches learn from what's going on in a training standpoint outside
1: the U.S.? You know, in the Dominican Republic, they, they keep the main thing, the main thing, and, and so they understand that the five physical tools. National drafts so they sign. They don't go in the draft. So you know, from a young age, they know their is their signing date. Which you know, here it's our draft date. That's their signing date. So their signing date is when they turn six. And so what happens is, is a year. You know, my son's at twenty twenty four. Well, over there, you know, my son's at twenty thirty six. He turns sixteen in 2036. So you say. you know, how old your kid? He's a 2036. So I mean, my kid's four years old. So like we're planning literally the, the Dominicans are planning and, and, you know, I've been there for 20 years. So I, you know, I'm, I've, I've learned a lot on their, their, their recipe and their secrets, but also they, they have a lot to learn from us. So, so, you know, my kid's a four year old, he's a 2036 and they have this, they're on this journey of signing a pro contract and they understand that it's not about necessarily being an elite player. It's about being an elite prospect. And so what happens is by the age of, you know, 14, 15, they're running sub-7, 60s in the range of six four, six five, six six, six seven. You know, and they're throwing 88 to 95 across the diamond and hitting the ball 400 feet. And, and you go, well, how are they doing it? Well, they focus on the five. It's like they get the five right. but They don't know cuts and relays. They don't know how to hold runners on. They don't really know how to steal bases. They just run. And so they build prospects, so it's like so what I've done is is taken that concept and you mean know, they're not as organized as the Americans. they just kind of get out there you know some of the academies are, but but a lot of them are pretty just kind of freestyle and so I we take the education you know the education piece of us over here being organized, you know going to you know you know being a college coach and being a college baseball player, you have to be on point. you got to be at class, you got to be at practice, you got to be at, you can't be late you know the Dominicans are great at being late, but they but they don't have a time clock that they're running on they have eight hours to do their infield drills, eight hours. So they're just hanging out and they'll hit for an hour. Then they'll hang out for an hour. Then they'll hit for another hour. Then they'll hang out for an hour. They'll do infield work for an hour. There'll be 20 guys in a line, but they have the whole day. So they take the five and they don't miss. Every kid can run, field, throw, hit, hit for power, run, hit, field, throw, hit for power. They got all five. You know, we got our guys that go down to the cage and they're watching hit tracks. And they're just lifting and separating. And They got maybe one tool, maybe they hit tool, but probably not because they're over swinging and trying to, you know, launch balls. You know, when you're like, when's the last time you were on? It's only a problem they play catch every day, every day year round. Five My wife about this recently, I'm like, because because our son is four. He rides a bike. He rides a skateboard. He rides a scooter. He plays tennis. He plays soccer. And what I see, because you, you know, as an infield coach, it's about your ability to read the ball and then recognize and react with footwork. You need proper angles and proper footwork. Well, soccer, right, teaches you those angles. Tennis teaches you how to pick hops, right? And you're in every pitch in tennis. You don't sit and wait. There's one guy returning the ball, and, and, right? It's back and forth. It's constant. The crossover shuffle, right? Reads, 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 right? So I'm going, man, my son's working that I've learned over 35 years, and we're willing him into. to do nothing except play baseball. And it's really weird because you go, the Dominican, you're going, man, we got to cross train, right? We got to do this. We got to do that. I'm asking my wife three days ago, I go, I go, why are these Dominican kids so athletic when they don't cross train? And, you know, and, you know, I have my own thoughts, but she was saying, well, um, she was saying, you know, I, I think it's because they all day, you know, our kids, a lot of them are playing with their phone. And so they're playing They're climbing trees, right? The, the kids can climb coconut trees at like six, literally with their hands and feet. And they can go top to bottom. You know how hard it is. I used to wrestle how hard it is to climb a rope with no feet. Well, these kids are climbing trees that are this wide. Right, so they have this strength, and then they're also very twitchy and very athletic. They have this rhythm to the culture because it's all music. I mean, people is just—it's just—it's—it's just, it's, it's salsa, it's bachata, it's it's machanga, it's—it's—they just playing it, and everybody's just like in this flow. So they have this rhythm, and then the lunch has rhythm. So if you think of the English language, you say high rock. The Germans, we have the Americans, we have the Dominicans. So that's who I'm with when I'm in the Dominican Republic. The Germans is hollow, stein, Hund bowl. In English, it's high rock, dog, ball. And in Spanish, it's hola, roca, pelo, palota. Hola. It's not high. Hola. It's not ball. It's roca, palota. Hola, roca, pelo, palota. And I started realizing. The water helps speak. Everything has a melodic flow. It's pelota. It's not ball. Go get the ball. And in German, it's ball. And rock is roca, right? And to Germany, the Germans, it's stein. So you see the difference. And the German mentality is very rigid, right? It's stein. Everything is rigid. Americans are kind of in the middle, right? Rock. And then the Spanish have this feel and flow and dance on the field, and it's roca. So it's very interesting. So you have the music, you have the language then you have no parents going to the games or practice. There's no parents at games and practice. So there's no criticism. Literally, there is no criti- There's no dad saying, hey, you didn't do it right. And we worked on it different last week and let's go. You know, I'm not, I, there's a time and place for that too. But they have this freedom. And then, but that's also, you know, your greatest strengths, your greatest weakness. If you have too much freedom, it, it turns into a lazy feel, right? They can get lazy, so, you, you know, you have to be careful with both sides. So so the, the parents don't really come around. So the kids are just out there with their trainer. The trainers do not micromanage. They keep the main thing the main thing. Really, it's like, it's like they do a couple things really well. And, and one thing that they don't do well is, is, like, the Dominican infielder is the master at movement and keeping their feet moving. And this is what they do. They hit balls. They try to hit with backspin. And we try to hit with topspin because our fields are really nice. Like, I'm at Stanford on the side doing all the infield work. You know, it's a turf infield. Nobody's missing the ball. And some of these kids are very average. This is the Stanford camp. So I'm not talking about the Stanford team, right? There's a hundred infielders. Check this out. A hundred infielders in seven days. Okay. We hit ground ball after ground ball, machine after machine. I could not count more than five missed balls in seven days with a hundred infielders fielding almost a thousand ground balls. Now they're on turf. Okay. With backspin. Now. When you transition into the throw now, about five percent of players are not throwing there. The differences in general are very not good. So what happens is they don't learn how to read. You know, you know feeling ground ball you know, is, is, is recognition. My ability to read a hop, Do I step back, do I step forward, do I stall? What do I do? I'm reading hops. Well, the Dominicans are masters of flow, feel, rhythm, movement through the ball and arm strength, but they're not masters. They don't know how to drop step. Their pre-pitches are terrible. Terrible pre-pitch, terrible drop step. And they have tremendous versatility because they play catch every day and they throw caps, so they're throwing at 3 o'clock, right? And they're playing long, right? So they get on top and they know how to get Oh, So they have this versatility and they have this arm strength. It's like finding this balance. You know, my biggest thing now in infield play is like, you know, pitch recognition for a hitter is what separates you. We all have pretty good swings, right? And we're all pretty physical at some point, but it's like your ability to recognize the pitch, you know, before the other, you know, early – I got early recognition. Well, an in infield play is early recognition. So uh, on that side, I really struggle. And that's something that I'm taking to them because they're like, wow, my, our guys have plus-plus action. This is what they do. Whenever they have a prospect, they know that I work with the Ericos and I work with a lot of major infielders. They know that I've worked with some of these guys. And they're like, so they want to impress me because I'm an American, right? And to them, it's all about America because they're trying to get in our system. So this is what they do every time, right? Every time they go, Trosky, Trosky. Like when they think they got a million dollar kid, right? He's only between the age of 12 and 14, right? Is all they do is this. They'll be about 15 feet from him and they'll roll the ball at him. They'll roll him a backhand, come get it, backhand, not even a drop step. They don't really know what a drop step backhand is. They'll go kind of a come through and their feet never stop and they'll do a ball left and their feet never stop. And then they go, huh? Huh? You know, muy bonito, muy bonito, right? And, And it's like, yeah, that's really nice. I feel play. You know what happens now is then they go they sign their contract and they struggle and on A ball. You know, they, they got like thirty-five errors. They're poor first step. They're plus runners plus twitch, but they have a poor first step because their pre pitch is never on time. They have no concept. They get early. And so they got dead beat. And so now that, that you know, that twitch or that, that that ability to move fast, quick, it's like they lose it and they have to try to make up for it. Lay it on the reader, late on the route, late on the top. And they get beat so what's really cool right now is now i live there and we're building i just bought a two-acre building up in college guys it's going to be small and alec bowman's it's some big, big guys and they they need a place but the college guys need a place i was just at stanford last the last seven days the two the three stanford infielders tommy troy who's going to be a first rounder this year he played third base trevor haskins who's going to be back this year we started shortstop this year and Owen Cobb, we guys all I worked with since they were kids. And you know, I'm out there at the camp and they're coming up to me because they're coming off injuries. They're not in the cape right now, because they're coming off injuries. They're like, we got no one to work with. Can you can you hang all this after the Stanford camp? Which ends at like five and and train with us. But it's like division one guys, elite guys, draft guys in the winter, right? To work with. I mean, to get better, not to sustain, not to maintain. So the idea, like, like, like Bobby Witt, I, I'm like, you know, you've been getting infield work. And he's like, yeah, you know, I've been getting infield work in about, you know, like four times every two weeks. I get out there two times a week. But imagine if he could get out there five times a week with quality work, right, that's really preparing him to be better, not just to try to be kind of ready. So the big leaguers struggle with, the, the young players struggle with, the youth players struggle the college guys, everybody struggles with where's that infield guy that's available and that's good and that fits my schedule. And you can't really find them. And you know, the, you know, the good guys typically are at an elite job and they're not available. They come home with their family. Or, hey, I got a day for you, but I don't have like three weeks for you. So, this this place in, in the DR we're working at right now, tractors, we're trimming the countries, It's two out on the water in Boca, in Boca Chica, is this, this, this center three k complexes. I mean, the Rangers just finished theirs, the Marlins just finished theirs, I mean, millions and millions. And it's all 16 year olds. And they sign at 16 and they play for two years and they hope to get picked up to come to the states so we have this piece and we're going to have a big turf area and a beautiful area with some good machines and some good stuff and so guys can come out and 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 learn from the latins there's a lot to be learned from them and also learn from you know from what we've mastered or, or learned here you know from the american side so um super super excited about that so a lot to learn yeah but but a lot you know a lot to learn on both ends and they're excited to have me over there and the last point i wanted to make was is like the JD Azunica, they have the, the highest paid drafted or signed player. They don't get drafted. The highest signed player four years ago, Robert Prasson signed for like five point one million. And he was the highest at the time. Well, now they're having five million. You know, this year they had multiple guys at five million. And, and JD's like, Can you come out and work with my guys? And when I watch when he works with them, you know, you see the limitations because they're really good at what they do. But most infield coaches, as you know, are not very creative. They kind of either follow what someone else does or what they, they learn but, the, but rely literally to the game because that's the only thing that matters i don't care how good you are at drills right it's how this functionally applies to making you a better defender in the game when it matters and that's all i focus on now it's like yeah knee work is nice but it's like not even a half of a percent and you're never even on your knees so let, let's do a little bit of that and let's find our hands but let's get into some stuff that's really going to challenge us. And and I'd love to share with you some of the stuff we're doing um, about incorporating, I call it the TSSA level. It's time, speed, stress, and added variables into training. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool because now what happens is they break down because you're challenging them with time, speed, stress, and added variables. And that's the game, right? You're on a clock and you're moving faster and the ball's moving slow and it's moving fast. Right. And then you have this, the speed, of the ball and the speed of the athlete. So if I'm not moving at game speed or accelerated game speed, when I have Trey Turner running, right? If I don't train at that speed, game speed, accelerated game speed, I break down when I need to, right? And then I have the stress. So how do I add stress to reps? How do I add stress to drills? And then how do I add variables? Because if I have one variable, you give me one short hop and it's a backhand, I could sit on my knees literally and just blindfold myself. And you know, we're older guys that played in field we have that motor skill. We don't really need to practice short hops anymore. I mean, you need to warm up to them. But it's not like you need to practice them. You need to take it somewhere deeper. And that's where I'm at now. It's like, how do we activate and incorporate the TSA into drills and training? And, and we've come up with the Stanford Camp. I'm using the Dominican. I'm using it with the big league guy. And what you see is they break down. And now if you say if I'm breaking down, you know, the special forces they call it deprivation training. It's depriving you of oxygen, food, and sleep. If I deprive you of these these qualities that you want, right, it's comfort, right? If, if, if I deprive you of comfort, because we talk about, hey, be great when you're uncomfortable, right? Be comfortable when, when you're uncomfortable. That's a cliche unless I could apply it to what I do, right? And there's literally no growth in the comfort zone. So you go, if I want to grow, so like Bobby with June. I was working with him this winter. And I'm like, Bobby, you want to get better or you want to sustain being one of the worst defenders in the big leagues? And I didn't say it to him like that, but, but, you know, he's a plus defender, but in the big leagues, he's got the most errors, right? And you say, well, what do you want? Right. And so it's like, do you want to just maintain or do you want to get better? And I want to challenge you as a big leaguer. And then you got the minor leaguer who signed in the first round, which the next two days work with first founders and guys committed to Texas. And I'm going, are you satisfied with being a first rounder? You know, really, what is your mission? So if I don't get better at my training, what happens? It's the same product next year. It's the same guy. So it's like, wait, I'm going to challenge you and you want to be challenged. And, and you know, you know, everybody wants to be challenged. So it's like we take the comfort out of the training because there's no growth in the comfort zone. My one buddy, he's, he trains Mr. Olympias. And it, 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 when he said this, it, it, it resonated deeply into what I already believe that I do, but it also put it at the forefront. He said, to trigger the growth response, you have to work through failure. You have to. It's not even like negotiable. And so I took it a little further. I said, okay, to trigger the growth response, you have to work. In discomfort, you have to work through failure. You have to be uncomfortable. But how do I apply that to my reps? And so, you don't even trigger the growth response when you work muscles, right? But you don't trigger it either when you're an infielder or even a hitter. It's like that challenge rep, that challenge rep, challenge rep. So I'm at the Stanford camp and I'm watching others, and they're all playing catch. This is seven days, probably 400 campers, and there's probably about 80 to 100 infielders. They all come in cycles to the back of her field. So they come back there, and we you see it in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, you see it in all of the United States. Uh, the Japanese are probably the best at creating energy and speed and catch. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome watching them play catch. But when you watch every single one of these high school players play catch, every single one of them, okay? I put it in five gears. Gear one is lazy gear. Gear two is comfort gear. Gear three is game speed. Gear four is, is accelerated game speed. Gear five is over speed right? When you watch these guys play catch, and by the way, they all five ground balls to be evaluated. So think of, let's just round it off at 100. 100, that's what? Five, oh. We've never done this in the stations. I said, I want you to time every single ground ball that they've had. How many of their ground balls out of 500 do you think were under a 4-2? Four, four nines, five twos, that's not even the game. But see, they don't even know it. They're literally in gear two, comfort gear. So they're training and thinking they're at game speed and they don't even know it because they move in comfort zone all the time, because that's being human. Humans strive for comfort, right? That's our nature. We like to be comfortable. And the elite coach is gonna get them out of the comfort zone because there's no growth in the comfort zone. So these guys, I mean, fascinating. I'm watching them, because I'm evaluating, and then in the college, one of the college coaches, he's getting the clock on every ground ball and after every single group, live plays out of 500 that were sub four or three. So, you know, at, at a high level when I'm training, I wanna play at Stanford, I'm at the Stanford camp, there's 50 colleges here. And I and I can't even get it over there under four, three. But I don't even know I'm not because no one's holding me accountable. Okay, so now out of the five hundred ground balls, there was there was only, Ryan, three errors. Now think of this. It's off a machine, true hops on nice turf. Now, by the way, twenty percent are fine high school players, eighty percent are average to a tick below. When you think of there's four hundred players there, right? You- no, so every you know, camps, whatever camps you're doing. You know, it's a small number that go, Whoa, those guys are pretty good. And the rest are nice, nice look out, transfer in the throw. Totally incapable. But anybody can catch it. Right? And they're in this second gear thinking they're at game speed. So and I would sit there and watch in almost every single inning, there was like two errors. Fielding errors. One because now they're on a natural surface, right? The TSSA level speeds up now, which is time. They're on a time clock, right? They're on a time constraint because now there's a runner. So now they feel that pressure of time pressure. Then they have the speed pressure. The ball's coming faster and they're moving faster, right, than what they practice at. So now we have time, speed. Then you have stress. I'm on a state for coaches, Dartmouth, Brown, all these D3s, all these academics are all watching me, right? So now we got stress. I'm on a team I've never played on. And then you add under the lights. I'm on a team with a bunch of committed guys, whatever it is, right? So you got all this going on, and it was just air, air, or mishandle, mishandle, barely get it over. But when they're on the turf, they're just thriving. And it's like, that is not infield development. And I'm not saying we were thinking it was, but my point is, is that's so often what we think infield development is. Get the machine, shoot some routine balls, a couple backhands, a couple forehands. The kid's working in gear two, and he's going, I'm not really race fit, race ready. I'm race fit, but I'm not race ready. And they're all race fit because they all practice. They all take ground balls, but none of them are race ready, except the 2% that's on a clock working at game speed with, with what? Being intentional about it. Not just, oh, it just happened today. It's like intentional about it elevating in the tssa level and so we've added we've, we've built this countdown clock i'll tell you about it um was and it changes i mean i used it all week and we're going to start working with it's an app and we're going to sell it eventually elevating TSSA and basically putting pressure on the defender even in catch play we have speed runners now in catch play and we also have a countdown clock now you can't do it on every throw but like the last three minutes every single day we put you in different lanes, forehand, backhand, neutral. And we say, you have a good runner at this time. And, and basically has six speeds of runners at the top. So it's, it's different for if you're at 90 feet or 120 feet, or if you're throwing from shortstop, right? You, you, you just you just click a button and it switches where you're at. So at 90 feet, we're gonna give you 1.6 seconds for an average runner. So they set up and I, and I hit the clock and there's a speaker, Bose speaker in the middle. And I and I say go. And they all come out of their fielding position. So we start in the neutral lane. And if I say average runner, they might have time for two shuffles. Depends on their arm strength, right? But average runner, so the guys are finding their clock. Then I then I just hit the button and it goes from from one six to one four. And I say, okay, now we're going good runner. And now they drop two tens. And now on catch play, now they're going, okay, I gotta get there And what happens is is they just feel pressure. Two tenths of a second, as you know, in baseball is ridiculous because a 4-0 versus a 4-2, that's a plus runner versus a, a above average runner to a 4-4 is a below average runner. 4-2, 4-4, I'm just getting first round money, right? You're going, it's just a tenth of a – yeah, it's crazy how – but it's like it's significant, right? So then you go, okay, now Trey Turner's running. We're going double G runner. So now they they, they might not even be able to shuffle, put the foot down and go, or they got to jump and throw, but we're doing it in way. Then we go into the backhand lanes. Then we go to the forehand lane, and we keep going from – double g to good to average to poor to double poor because miguel cabrera even though he's a slow runner nolan arenado is also a slow runner but nolan is a 4-5 miguel's a 4-7-9 then you got Lindor, who's like a 4-2 then bias is a 4-0 oh, trey turner's a 3-8 and buxton's a 3-6 and you're going whoa that's a significant difference on my approach to the ball right and also to my approach when i'm throwing so now we're incorporating that with the clock and it's happens by a millisecond because I could just switch it and the speaker's Bluetooth. So that's just one example of how we're using catchbook. It's like, I, st- I first started using it with Bob and He was like, man, this is insane because we're not just doing one double play feed over and over. It's like, dude, he's doing three. He's doing firm atom, open up, crossover, drop step, backhand, three o'clock. Then he crossed over the middle and he goes like, not oh, Heisman beat." And he's got like 4.8 seconds. So he's like getting revved up and check this out. When he's doing his reps at comfort level to lazy level, but it's just not him. You know, when you're a five-tool guy and you've been the best of your whole life, it's hard to rev it up. I really need to rev it up. I'm already really good. So I was like, how am I going to speed to accelerate against speed? He went from gear three against speed to gear four, and then now you start challenging his transfer, his ability to relax. Right, it becomes a ballistic move where he has to go from one to the next to the next. And so, it's 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 really cool, really exciting, and we're we're testing it, and it's it's close and. The idea really is, 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 um, you know, you just buy the app. It's so simple. It's a Trotsky toolbox and you have it on your phone and, and you have, um, and then you have home to first. So now I'm hitting you a ground ball at shortstop. Well, the clock, yeah, I got somebody that's just pressing it. So I go, Oh, we're going to work a uh, good runner right now, four, two. So the speaker will go on four, two. Then I can just switch it immediately to three, eight, boom. So now you got to field it on the run and throw it on the run. Then we go, Oh, now we're going to go to double P Cabrera's running. Now you can even go triple shuffle. Nolan goes on I don't know if you ever seen Nolan, he'll go triple shuffle to five shuffles when a slow run. He's just cutting the distance. Shuffle, shuffle. You're like, shuffle. Where are you going, Nolan? He just keeps shuffling. Oh, Bryce Harper ain't running. I don't need to throw it from, from the from the grass, cut out, right? He's just so anyway, so it's 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 being the man it's close. It's real, real close.
0: Hey, how many of your guys I, I talk about this with some of the infield guys that I know, how many of the guys that you've worked with over the years have that advanced feel of, we talked about prep steps of being able to move with ball flight to location reads, read, read the, the barrel and maybe moving before the ball gets there off right. the bat because right. they have that type of feel. Cause that's what right. I did as an infielder. I would cheat. It, I didn't consider it cheating. Basically re, pitch location, swing, okay, this is where I think it's going to go. You might get beat every once in a while doing that, but how many of your guys have you seen over a year with, right. that, with that feel?
1: Right. Yep. When I w- watch guys in general, because, like, during the, for example, I'll be at the Area Code Games in about two weeks. It, it's the first week of August, so it's a few weeks. So, you know, it, it's the top 220 players in America selected by Major League Baseball, and I've been doing this for 20 years. You know, all the first-rounders, they all come out. I mean, we've had 50 on our team you know, tons of first round, first picks. So you see, so you watch them, right? These are the best. They're committed to Vanderbilt, LSU, Texas, North Carolina, Florida, Oregon, you know, do the best, you know, they're committed to the top teams and, and you watch them and very few have a great first step. Most guys, most guys, and I did a tweet, I did a tweet about a month, about six weeks ago, of, of, I was in Puerto Rico and that was the Puerto Rican national team. And you watch, but it's no different in Puerto Rico to the Dominican Republic, to a even the minor watch the pros. Now it's becoming better because we're teaching it, right? Now, you're seeing it get better, but that, that video showed you the two Puerto Ricans hopping, landing, stopping for like a half a second to second. Then they move. It's like start, stop, go. Then you watch Key Hayes on the way down, he's moving. He didn't even touch the ground, right? So the first step, so I, I don't see a lot of great first step and that's in the last six months what i've been you know it's always been important to me but the last six months like at the stanford camp we spent hours and i and I've, i'm creating first step drills i have a large number of them and i'll give you one example when do you ever compete in your pre-pitch you don't ever really people don't compete it's like you know when you compete is when you lock in at least game speed accelerated game speed because this matters so what we do is we put them in a line and we have Cone, I mean, I have every angle, but to start with, you just go phone right, cone left, all lined up like on a football field. So one guy's here, one guy's here, one guy's here, and they're all in a straight line. And the, the five yard on the out are in a straight line too. And they and so I say, hop, boom, they hop, boom, hop, boom. And I say the number one or two. It's like they got a, all the way down. I say, I say hop one. I don't say hop one because now they stop, right? It's hop one. On the way down, they're hearing the number. They're organizing, moving. Getting the ball with a hard crossover, start low, stay low, because they got to get the ball, pick it up, and run back. So there's two balls, and it's either one or two, but we do all angles. So I, I just called the eight point star drill. So now it's it's one and two, three and four, drop step, left, drop step, right, five and six, angle in, left, angle in, right, seven and eight, deep drop, and then come get it forward. So now they're, but, but they're a mess. But once you go one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, then you go three, four, three, four, three. So it's just two variables, right? We talked about the TSSA level, adding adding variables. They can go one. Now I go one or two. You got to make a decision in 100th of a second. Now I say one, two, three, or four. And I got to go lateral left, lateral right, drop stuff, left, drop stuff. And then we're talking angles in five and six and then forward and back. But, but, we, but they're competing every rep. And it's like they know when they lost. And he's going to take your job. And also, you learn how to apply this mentality because in the game, 2.5 plays you get on average in 140 pitches, average game. Major leaguer goes 140 pitches, and he's only going to field on average 2.5 balls in a game. So you go, I'm setting up 137.5 times, and I don't even get the ball? And then I'm not hitting well, and it's cold, and the infield's chewed up, and, man, I, I got to, you know, whatever. My arm hurts. It's always something to distract you, right? So it's like they don't even – I mean, not they, but just – across the board we don't know how to be on that edge on that edge on that edge every pitch and you know i I, my nephew's at oregon state he's a shortstop at oregon state and we started doing this since he was like 10 and most of my creations came because with him because we're on we're on the field when i was at jerry weinstein nate you're doing the outfield for four hours a day and he would throw me down another two then another two and i do that every day for like five years Well, I became a really good outfield coach because I I, I got it right. So I started taking infield drills and speed drills and we're incorporating first step and all this. I mean, this was 20 years ago. So then I'm with my dad just saying, I'm like, he's 10 years old. By the time he's 12, he's already advanced. By the time he's 14, he's got like 10 full rides, right? It's like, where's the time? So I, I got this one individual who's very athletic for eight years, for literally two to three and a half hours a day, we would do posture, hold, movement, stretch, Release and everything and then I it was just starting creating drills. So what was my point? What were we talking about right before that? We were talking prep about steps. cheating. Cheating? What were we just talking about? You, yeah, prep steps. So, so yeah, so I'm starting to create. So 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 Oregon State. He's in ninth grade. They win the World Series. Pat Bailey comes over and he watches him for one inning. This this is one of the craziest stories of all time. He watches him like I'm standing right next to him. I, I, when I coach my teams like. I don't usually, I'm not in the dugout because I'm trying to get them scholarships. So I'm out in the, I'm out there now in practice. Obviously I'm coaching, but during the game they're playing and I'm with the college guys and, and, and Pat's watching and he's going for, he's, all he did was watch him for one inning. It was 15 setups, 15 pitch inning. And when the inning was over, he goes like this and they just won the college world series, the best team in the country. And he goes, man, that's special. Kind of shakes his head and he goes, can you guys come up on a visit in two weeks? I'm like, what for? He hasn't even got a ground ball yet. They got something to work. Two weeks later, we go on campus. He gives him a full the ride that Oregon State gives. All, 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 they're all insane. But watched his pre-pitch. It's like, are you kidding? I'm not kidding. But his timing, his intent, his posture, his athleticism. And we know, like you're talking about, you just asked me the question. How many guys have an elite feel moving into a ball before it's even hit or as it's hit? I don't even see guys getting off on time. I mean, I mean, maybe 10%. You watch big leaguers too. They're, they get real comfortable and they're really athletic, so they can kind of compensate right um,
0: When did you start thinking about the throwing discs? I mean, when did that? I, I feel like you're a little bit of a mad scientist. So
1: I've been in the Dominican for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm that mad scientist. So, so. So I'm in the Dominican, I'm watching these kids. And by the way, it doesn't happen anymore. What, what, they're, what the Dominicans used to do, they don't do it anymore. And so it's going to be very interesting to see the drop-off in areas. It's also going to elevate too because we're in various, but they're also dropping off in the forgetful years in the Dominican Republic. A lot of kids without shoes. Now, by the way, when you don't have shoes on, you develop athleticism in your feet. muscles that you don't ever develop because your shoes protect your feet from working, right? You got like 200 muscles in your feet. You don't even use them when your shoes are on, right? And also you get to your heel more and the elite mover, right? Is more on the balls of his feet. Not all the time. We know the heel toe works in infield play, but but there's a lot of, you know, movement, the quickness, the quick moves, the short moves, right? So I would see them with no shoes. Then what I would see is I would see them playing pickle for hours, Not, not just because it's fun and there's nothing else to do. And so, I'm watching them play pickle. What is pickle? Pickle is nothing but a five ten five 5 shuttle. And they do it for like six hours. Explosive, 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 crossover, stop, move, back, forward, right? And you're going, wow, this pickle is real. That's my speed trainer right there, just playing pickle, right? Then they take your suit off and you go, man, I'm running uphill. Because every time a bleach you're running is all ball of foot pressure. You don't ever touch the heel. So when you're no shoes on, they are like running with with this with posture, this foot posture, you don't shoot. No shoe, pickle. And by the way, you don't pickle, you're changing your release points, right? And you're of slowing down, right? Have this, this clock to add and subtract. And then and they're throwing it off the wall at every single release point, but not even knowing they're doing it. They're just having fun. Off balance. jumping, flipping, behind the back, glove flips, every release point. And, and, and as you know, I don't think too many people have thought about this, but when I'm watching, I see, this is what I see. If I have to return a throw after I make a play, what happens to my actions? They never stop. It's like, oh, here comes the next one. So they have this flow, throw it, the next one's coming. So their feet never stop. Their feet stop, their hands never stop, and they don't even move it. And from like the eight, 8 to like 14, before they get into the academies, feet release points and just working glove actions, right? And you're going well. Where'd that go? In the last five years, there's no kids. I lived there before. I used to I used to visit and train. I lived there. There is no kids. I haven't seen one kid in five years off a wall. They all have shoes. They all have Rawlings Gold Glove, Heart of Heights, or Wilson's. So now they're fielding with a glove. And by when they were on the wall, half of them didn't have a glove, or they had a cardboard. You know, little hatch in the right spot when your glove stinks. You get no choice. You can't be catching all over because it's a mess, right? You got to get in one spot. So all that is like disappeared. And and I have this. I took this picture about two months ago. One of the coach's sons, who we've been coaching with for twenty years, there. He's walking. It blew my mind. And I'll send the picture if you want to see it. He's walking down the field. Now, by the way, this is all they ever did. They pickle pickup ball you say oh the dominicans are so great at this yeah they are but now the kids walking down the field no more pickle nothing he's got his dad's cell phone and he's playing a video game walking from the right field corner of the batting cage the kid's like eight all the way to the stands he's overweight out of shape soft soft here soft here soft body it is all he cares about is that video game it's That that's your son Three years ago, he could not put the bat down. Right? He says, throw me another one, Dad. There's no bat. It's give me that phone. And he just sits there. But he's an example. Started seeing it coming about eight years ago when this so, so yeah, so, so it's changing. It's, it's changing across, but American culture's changing too, right? We're seeing guys. I mean, I mean, think of this. We're evaluating the quality of a thrower by velocity. It's like, what? Kids literally think that they're gonna get a scholarship because they throw nine plus across a diamond. It's like where is your release point versatility? Where's your internal clock and internal clock? Where's your feel for the game? When do you add and subtract? You know, where's the quality within your repeatable arm stroke? I watch these guys play catch. There was a hundred in the Stanford camp. There wasn't three guys that had a stroke because they don't even know what a stroke is. They're short, long, mid. that They'll go short one. They'll go long, wrap around the back one, and then mid. And this is like nine, But they know they can throw it hard. But let me tell you something. You're not going to win games, right? And so we're, we're like, we're confusing what it means to be. And that's why I came up with the concept, an elite athletic thrower with plus command. Patisse is an elite athletic thrower with no command. With a plus-plus arm, and he's playing outfield. And he's one of the best athletes in the big league, right? You're saying elite... Athletic thrower with no command. So now we have guys that are not elite athletic throwers. So hard with no command, and we're we're, we're just we're just developing guys that don't have any feel. So it's it's kind of like we're lost. Are the Americans in space? And my goal is to bring it back. And that's why I developed the black belt throwing system because you become really first. What is an elite thrower? I'm in a select group. And when an, when an infielder goes, because, you know, everybody wants to be in a select group and that's why we have the belts. We have the black belt. We have the second degree black belt, black belt, brown belt, orange belt, blue belt, white belt. And, and so if you don't know your of, of the quality of thrower you are, you don't you're like lost. Who are you as a thrower right now? So what we do is we measure their command. So we're, we have all these tests to measure their command and their versatility. So then we say, this is the, the thrower. You're a white belt thrower right now. The guy's like, what? You're giving me a white belt? I'm like, yeah, you're a white belt. It doesn't matter if you're committed or uncommitted. It doesn't make any difference. We're not biased, right? This is who you are. You threw, right now, throws to first base in 20 double play speeds, and you only hit target one, which is hit that 30% of the time, and all the rest are reach catches. Your command is, is, is an issue, and it will exploit you over time. He's going wait a minute he caught it well what's the quality of the catch and what's interesting is there's always someone on the other end having to catch the ball always and if you make it difficult for them because you're working downhill right or you're not accurate dude making like double play feeds relays right it's all about give me a good throw and i dude, it's easy transfer is easy right the return end is easy but you make me move and lose balance man good luck now you got that first baseman over there working too hard. And over time, he's going to miss a ball because he's human too. Don't rely on his skills because you lack skills. Changing the whole perspective of what it means to be an own thrower. And, and and after camp, so we're doing it at camps too. I didn't do it at the Stanford camp because it w- wasn't my camp. But it's like they leave camp with a belt. And the belt goes right here. And I was doing a camp in Utah when we started this. And we had 50 inf- infielders. And the, the boy next to me was only 13 years old. And every single throw, so, so we have like, we have 20 different athletic throws, two sets, 20 and another set of 20 different athletic throws. So that's, that's a piece of it. So like at the end of catchphrase, it takes five minutes. Well, you're charting their accuracy and you also put them on a clock. So they're working off balance right, off balance left, double shuffle, no step shuffle, jump and throw, whatever, right? And so this, this boy's next to me and he, he every throw was right here with every move. And I'm like, at the end, he was 85% command, off any direction, any move, any throw. And Jacob Welsh, I go, where do you play? He's on Team USA shortstop. And I'm like, man, obviously you're the best shortstop for your age in the country. But but he's, but he's been following the stuff that I do, and he's been actually practicing it, and he's executing it at 13. There's no age requirement right, to practice better and to become an elite athletic thrower. So now, when you go, I want to be on a throw, and I'm not one. We say navigation who you are right now, then know who you want to become, and then I'm, I'm going to hold you accountable. It's competitive catch play with a consequence. That's every day competitive catch play with the consequence. You know what people do always don't. Get, then you can be a consequence. I'm going to elevate it because there's a reason, right? And so now we're giving wristbands out to your team in the fall every week, even after a bullpen. We're going to incorporate them. I mean, Used to a bullpen, dude. You got a white belt for that pen right? The guy leaves, he commanded. Now his priority is commanding. And now in the Intel, as you know, we're moving and we, have, we need to command. And if I could command, man, my percentage is going to go up through the roof. So changing the eye I can't this, this identity system. It's pretty cool. 10, 70, 10, 8, 2, 1. So every thrower, I want them to identify who they are. So right now I take a team. So let's just say I'm at the Stanford camp and I sit down with the first group. I say, oh guys, becoming great at anything begins with awareness of who you are right now and then who you want to become. If you don't know who you are, you can't become something that you don't even know because you don't even know what you need to work on. You have to build a process according to and then to where you want to go and then every day. So we're going to identify right now. So I have a group of 15 infielders in the Stanford camp. We sit down and I say, the bottom 10, it's a 10 70 10, 8, 2 Ten seventy ten eight two one scale. So the bottom ten is the loser. Loser doesn't want to play catch. He, he doesn't care. He's like play catch. What for? I want to go hit. Okay. He's interested in hitting and not throwing. The Latin player, five tools. Now this isn't throwers, but there's a lot. There's guys in practice. And by the way, all the guys that I work with are lazy. And this is college summer ball. Half the outfielders don't play catch. Half the I don't want to throw today. Oh, they will go throw forty feet. They're, they're just late. They just don't care. So we put that in the loser category of who you are as a thrower. You're a loser. You have no priority. It's absolutely no priority in your catch play. So the next is 70% is the cruiser. So we're already at 80% of all the population. And by the way, these numbers aren't precise, but it's, but it's a general look at what you see. 80% – excuse me. So we're at 80%. 10% don't care. 70% are cruisers. They'll take it or leave it. Coach says, oh, we don't have to play catch today. Okay, cool. Right? Oh, we play catch. today. Okay, great. And they're also driven by um, pleasure, meaning if I feel like it, it's not that important to me, but, but, but it has a little priority. And, and that's the majority. Like I'm looking at the Stanford count, We look at it all 100 of those throwers. There was nobody. And I've only seen, by the way, CEO, I've only seen three CEOs in 30, but it's not intent. And we'll get there. So we got the 70% cruisers driven by pleasure. And they're not really, it's not a high priority, but they'll do whatever coach says. And by the way, Ryan, if you're not watching, it's low in ten because they're cruisers, right? So now we go to the eight percent. So it's ten seventy eight. Eight percent are grinders. Grinders it's important to them. Want to be really good. It, it's a small because one it's not modeled. It's like where's the guy I want to follow? Because everybody else is the cruiser, and that guy's a cruiser. Just you know, it's just one speed. Just lazy, a little lazy, right? Right, and, and that's that's like that's who I was. I'm like, man, I want this. And this is the guy. I'm, I'm trying to like motivate all of them, but the grinder wants it, but he doesn't know how to get it. And you got a team of college players. Most of them, most of them are hungry, but they just conform to the guy next to them. It's like don't conform to that guy, right? So we got the loser cruiser, and, and, I, and I'm, I missed the, the next ten percent. So it's loser ten, cruiser seventy, poser is ten percent, and he's locked in and catch by. He becomes that guy, but, but majority of the time he's playing with guys that are cruisers. So he, who does he become? A cruiser. He's just a poser. He's just all over the place. And it doesn't really matter. He just wants to fit in. I'll fit into who I'm playing catch with, right? So we got the loser, cruiser, poser. The 8% are grinders. They want it. So right now we're at 98%. The last 8% are grinders. Give it to you. But it's like, and by the way, is, is a, is a division on their own. They don't execute it. They don't do it anymore. It's like, why aren't you doing it? Summerball, no one's, no one's on elite program. They just, I just got to get one. I don't even want to play cash. So now we got the last 2%. It's a CEO. And I've only seen three CEOs in like 35 years. And they're currently all playing right now. Um, you have a CEO, which is a China, and you have the CEO of the CEO. They know who they are. They know where they're going, and they know how to get it. And they execute it every single day. And it's a great process. It's not just I have a process. Because you can have a bad process, right, and execute, and you're not, you're not getting better. But they have a quality process, and they execute it with consistency. So the, the the CEO, not the CEO, the CEO, you watch him play catch, and you go, you know what, that guy's different. He's on the road less traveled. He is on a mission, and he's consistent. The lacking that he has is the intensity within each rep, and I've seen it because I see CEO coming a CEO of CEO, and I and I worked with them both for six years, and they they both were ACO guys, and they both were Division One commits. They're both playing right now Division One baseball, and I'd watch one execute the process every day and then i watch the other one execute the process every day with a higher level of intensity and commitment and attention to detail and i'm going well, and the other one's doing it but he lacks the attention to detail so the ceo the ceo is the one percent and the ceo he's special too right they're driven high priority guys but it's just a whole nother level and the three guys that i can that i can say have done that and, and you know thinking of the area games when i coach the article guys it's, it's 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 a small one of what i do but we've had over like 250 major leaguers in like the last 12 years. I mean, it's, it's off the charts and you watch them play catch. They don't play catch any different than anybody else. They're a line, they're in one lane, 98% of their throws, one release point, 98% of the throws. Okay. They're, there's very little variation. There's very little movement to the forehand lane, backhand lane. And they'll do a couple, a couple, They'll, they'll put a couple on a line, but that's like two percent of the quality of the 100 percent. And I'm watching them for 20 years now. Th- this is just one small window of an elite group. And I'm going, interesting. They don't play, but but they're bigger, faster, stronger, more athletic with more. But they're not necessarily better throwers. Snolan in the game. He's on our team for seven days, and I watched him. He was the last player picked on our team, the last because he's a he's stiff. He was a little out of shape. He was chunky. He's heavy footed, and he was stiff and his athleticism was marginal in the infield. He was the last guy. He's like the 22nd player picked on our team. Nolan Arenado is a 10-time golfer in 10 seasons, and he's a rookie, the only rookie to ever love, second to Jeremy Jeremy Payne, who just got one, 10 years in a row with like six Platinums, five, six Platinums. It's like, how does he do it? He plays catch more. And I talked to – my buddy knows his brother who played in the minor leagues. I said, can you get some nuggets on what Nolan's been doing? Because no one really knows, right? We know he does all of his work before the games because he's got that YouTube video. He works on every single throw before every single game at least one to two times, working on every release point, every balance point. That's what we call an athletic thrower. Now, when you walk, okay, he's not only an athletic thrower, he's an athletic thrower with plus coming. You see him in that video. He's been, like, warm. He's hitting the guy in the chest at, like, 180 feet across, across the diamond. And he did it, like, three times in a row. And A-Rod's like, how do you do that, man? A-Rod's twice the athlete. Nolan's better because his process is better. Nolan is a CEO of the CEO. And this is what his brother said. He goes, Nolan plays catch more than anybody. And he plays catch in the offseason like a Latin. And Nolan went from an an 84-mile-an-hour arm going into his senior year. He's at the perfect game national throwing 84. Now, think of this. Right now, 14-year-olds are throwing 87 and 90 across the diamond to 95 at like 16. Just look at the perfect game numbers and the perfect game uh, national. It's like, it's like and Nolan is the best, and then his process of what he was working on and Royce Lewis was first round first pick he was Carlos Guez last year he got brought to the big leagues as a 22 year old he played big league he played in the big league shortstop he's, he's, he's kind of back and forth right now Royce Lewis I've never seen a player in my life play catch like Royce this is when it really triggered in my mind I'm going you know there is a significant difference Royce is an Eric the the 300 plus that I've coached and a lot of big leaguers that have paid attention Royce Lewis is a CEO of the CEO and Royce went one and one, and he'll be profitable watched, including myself. The do is we get the guys to identify. Where are you? Do you, not, do you care about playing catch? Is it even important to you? And the guy goes, "Not really." Okay, you're at the bottom ten. Okay, so we got We got some work to do, because we got We want everybody to be CEOs, right? And then the next guy, your cruisers. How many guys could take it? Take it or leave it. How many guys really have a great process and they execute it regularly within? With now,
0: now hey, do do you think some of that is because they're not good at it? How many guys do that? I mean, you think some of it's because they're not good at it. So they're going to shy away from it. The throwers. I mean, that's part of it, right? Like from they're going to shy away from it.
1: Well, I think that I, I don't think, I don't think so because this is what I'm going to kind of go around this, this answer. So the most difficult feat in all of sports, and, and you're going to have to remind me, I'm going to go in a couple areas. Um, you're going to have to remind me of the exact question because I'm going to go in a couple of couple different spots. So the most difficult feat in all of sports they say is hitting, right? Squaring up, you know, a round ball with a round bat with, with plus pitcher on the mound. That's the hardest thing in all sports. You take an elite pitcher and you can't understand, that's a hard dude. there's nothing like it. Now, what is the second most difficult in all of sports, being a, a baseball? Major league pitchers are the most elite, they're elite, and they can only command a baseball two out of 10 times. At 60 feet, with no like variations, they're locked in on a rubber and they control the temple. Tempo, and they could, can only can control. They can command a fastball. That means less than one ball length of movement of the catcher's mitt. They can only do it 0.5 times out of eight. And some guys now can't even do it, Ryan, because because now it's about vino. Some guys don't even command nothing. You watch catchers go right down the middle. It's just they're just around the zone. So you, I don't even know if guys can even command two. It was like right like eight years ago, but it's like but it's real. It's like they no nobody can command throws. And you're trying. The pitcher has one job: command the pitch. Really, that's one job. And he can't do it. And he tries every day for his whole life and he can't do it. So when you think about how difficult this task is, difficult task, second most difficult task in all of sports, to command a baseball. Throw it with different spins, right, in different pitches. That's the most now. You define success if he caught it. When you shoot a bow and arrow, you define success only if you hit the target and the bullseye and you're held accountable to every, and then you look at your spray chart. You're in the rifle range, spray chart, Yes, But if my partner caught it, if he catches it, I'm successful. But we forget that at 60 feet, if I catch it here at 120 feet, that goes over his head because angles multiply. So at 40 feet, if he catches it right here at 120, that's going to be over here, or maybe over his head. But we're content with catch standard is easy. Because everybody can play catch, even up to, it's, it's kind of like golf. Everybody can throw a ball and anybody can catch on the other end, but can you command it? And can you throw it with this ability, with this athleticism we're talking about? Running in any direction, at any speed, changing speeds, adding and subtracting, different release points, different shuffle patterns, right? One, two, three, full step, running. It's like, now you. Now it's hard because now you telling me I have to command it. See, Tatis went his whole life not commanding his athleticism. So he gets to the big leagues and they go, man, we got to put you in the outfield. They said it after a year and third year. They're like, you're in the outfield with no command. So now he got exposed, but now when we play catch. That's why we have these. So I have like 10 different systems for this black belt throwing system. One is the most simple. This is the most simple. And I came up with my nephews who were Erico guys. I'm going, you guys want to be big leaguers? There's 16 of the most elite teams. Second like to team USA. It's like, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And so they both made it. And I am and, and, and I know they want to be big. We talk about it all the time, our intent daily. And they're going, we want to be big leaders. And I go I go, you're going to have to beat out Lindor. You just don't like show up and they like you because you're a nice guy. And David Drossky, cool, man. You uh, and, and, and I'd always do this. This when they were 10. I said, if you guys want to be elite players, you have 12. And I'm going to watch you for the first hour and a half. So I gave them a problem at 10 learning different lanes and different different types of plays. So I would watch them. Well, by the time they're 16, you know, they're throwing it across the football field, 100 yards. They're throwing over 90. And, you know, I'm going, okay, the arm strength's there. But then i'm pulling up and sometimes they wouldn't know because the football field's here and i'd pull up here and i'd watch them so one day i grab a piece of paper and i just put a box for rowan i put a box for Jamin. and i started charting their command the command zone is the chest shirt head that's what i'm calling it, the command zone so if you hit me in the shirt anywhere or the box i play catch for a long time because they got all these data. let's just say they do 100 throws i go down the field and i show them I go, Jabin, this is your command zone and this is rowan's i go you hit him in the chest six times out of 150 throws and Rowan, you hit him like 12, and you're a pitcher. I go, and you're going to play it where? You went to Stanford, and you want to go where? Oregon State, and you're going to give me this, and you're going to go, that's the goal. That's the advantage. I go with this. So I started going, you know what? If I hold them accountable, so I started holding them accountable, And then comp- now they're competing every day and catch. Pissed because they're losing. And Rowan's like, man, no way. You know what? just beat, right? And then I incorporated it into the black belt. I'm like, now you got to wear that belt. You got to wear it. We're not just talking about it. You can't walk away from that belt. You walk into the. The, the studio where you're doing your martial arts, and you walk in with a white belt, you're not chest up and back, head behind your heart. like I mean, white belt, right? The black belt guy's like, let's go. But he's earned it, right? It's just like, so like, one of our charts is very simple. We just completed the target. So basically, the target's going to be for sale very soon. The target is a six-foot screen, portable. It's very quality we have a company now that we partnered with in in China, who they make all the top screens and now we're actually in business with them, about 20 power fives and texas oregon state um should you name in oregon arizona um uh they they're using my knee pad and um and, and, and you know so so that's the beginning so we're, we have a, 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 a we have a factory there who's making creations that i have and, they, and they're and it's the highest quality and we and, and the owner is like our partner so, it's cool. So, we, so, so I, go, I go, this is what we need. We need a screen that's the size of a human, okay? It's a little wider, a little taller, and it's super for any dad, any coach, anybody, strong pull, strong net, and you slide that body over it, okay? Now, you have the T1 zone, the T2 zone, T1 zone, center chest face. T2 is somewhere um, on the body. Excuse me, T1 is center only. Man, I commanded that throw. T2 is body and head. So you have the zones on that chart. Now, now every time I got a guy over there, he's charting every feed that you make. Because every feed matters, right? On the return end, it matters where you feed it. But if I don't hold you accountable, what happens is those reps are mindless reps in comfort zone because you're human, not because you don't care. People are always like, What's wrong with our thing? They, they don't focus. I've been studying a brain for like 10 years, and here's here's what I'm learning. It has nothing to do with no cares. It's just you're just human. Naturally, you'll go down to gear two, and you can't even help it. Why? Because I mean, nobody. We told them it's purpose catch, and everybody's like, "Play hey, catch with a, a purpose, dude." They will not play catch with a purpose at at, at game speed or accelerate game speed unless there's not a good enough reason. Not. He'll just the speed, drop down to comfort zone, and some will even go to lazy gear, which is one right. It's being human. What we're working with in the coaching side is the human element. It has nothing to do with lazy players. Players aren't lazy. They all want to do the best. They just don't know how to be so so the target now holds him accountable and then on the target which it's already done it has a radar reading so every time you hit this hit the target it's going to chart if you want to like in the app
0: i was pumped to have nate on i've always enjoyed my baseball talks with him you know it's always going to be an organic conversation that will go over the map Thanks again to Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, Matt West, and Antonio Walker in the ABC office for all the help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, abca.org, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at abcA, or direct message me via the MyABC app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you. And the
1: world keeps on turning.